Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Kelly, it was a whirlwind weekend. I feel like I was up watching the TV, staring at my phone, looking at Twitter, texting you, texting everybody. Did you see that? Did you see that? I mean, it was chaos. There was so much going on. And anytime the NFL draft happens, it's uh, don't don't look at your your screen time on your phone because you're just going to be disappointed because it's going to be a massive, massive jump. Uh, But it's over and we've got to rehash it. We've got to talk about it. But wanted to give you guys a quick little schedule update. Next week, super excited about this, we're going to be starting our summer guest series. As you know, last year we have all kinds of guests joins us, some really, really awesome guests that you guys are not going to want to miss. That's exactly right, Mac. This series is going to be loaded. We cannot wait. And we are kicking things off with a bang in honor of Mother's Day, which is this Sunday. This episode will release a week from today, so the next Monday. And we're going to start with one of the first ladies here in the ACC. Actually, I think the longest tenured first lady now. And that is Kathleen Sweeney, the wife of Dabo Sweeney, uh, head coach of Clemson football. So she it's it was a great episode. We talk a lot about her, her perspective, her journey alongside Dabo. And then we also get some parenting advice from Miss Kathleen. And we talk about the ladies clinic, which is coming up on July 16th in Clemson. I will be attending for the first time ever. I have yet to go and bring my mother-in-law. So we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm getting some serious daughter-in-law points. That's how you do it, guys. That's <laughs> take a take a page out of my book. But we'll also be giving away, Mac, two VIP tickets to the Ladies Clinic on Twitter this week. It's basically Football 101. Clemson players, Clemson coaching staff are there. It's only women. And it raises money for breast cancer awareness. So I am so pumped. Mac, before we jump into the NFL draft, I do have to ask you one very serious question. Last night, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're recording this Sunday. And I went to the Kenny Chesney concert at Bank of America. It was so fun. (laughs) He played Boys of Fall. He brought out the Panthers. He brought out Matt Rule and Christian McCaffrey. I wasn't sure if Icky was there. I, I couldn't really tell. He may have been there. But here's the question, Mac. What is the best Kenny Chesney song go? It's a tough one. He's got he's got a lot of hits. Wow. He has mm-hmm. so many bangers, number one. Um there's I mean, only I think one? There's, there's only there's only one answer, right? And it's uh <laughs> she thinks my attractor's sexy. I mean, if you don't say that, are you really a Kenny Chesney fan? I mean, that, that's that number is a good one. answer. That's number one. No question. I thought it was a that hard. A really I thought that was answer. a hard question. That was actually the encore. That was the last song he played, and the the stadium was into it. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't there, guys. I didn't know mm. that. I didn't know that. Okay. So there you go. I that just is won. a good one. What, what's my grand? I don't prize? think I'd put that number one. I think for me, and he played this one, of course. The one that truly, every time I hear it, I can't help but just be in a better mood is "Summertime." Wow! Wow! That one, wow, wow. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. It was okay. Let me. It's so good. Th- I think I feel like I feel like it was so overplayed no. for me. It's almost like oh, when he played it, it last night. It was great. Here it is again. 
but I get it. I get. I mean, it's a good. I mean, song. Mac, you chose song. the one about a tractor. <laughs> we need a vote. I need to hear from you guys. Who? Wh- wh- who's right? Answer. Is it Kelly? Yeah, is it me? Who's right? Mac, I think that I think was my serious know. question of the day. Now we can get into the NFL draft. Your answer is <laughs> cracking me up. That's so funny. All right, let's break it down. We had a lot of ACC guys drafted, and um, definitely some surprises in different ways of some guys who were drafted, some guys who weren't. So let's just, we'll hit on the first round really quickly one more time because we did a whole first round recap episode, which was released last Friday. If you missed it, go listen to it. But Iki Aquanu, sixth to the Carolina Panthers. Zion Johnson, 17th to the Chargers. Kenny Pickett, 20th to the Steelers. Jermaine Johnson, 27th to the New York Jets. Perhaps the biggest one as we continue to see what unfolded and we really just saw not that many quarterbacks taken the fact that Kenny Pickett was taken 20th overall, I still think is the biggest story because a guy like Sam Howell, who is seen in many ways as his contemporary, dropped all the way to the fifth round. That's still hard to believe. And we'll get to that as well, Mac. But I think Kenny Pickett is the biggest story from the first round. Yeah, that, that quarterback slide of this class, I mean, was it was nuts. It was very unexpected. It, it wasn't really what we've ever seen before because there is such an emphasis on the position uh, it, it was a little crazy, and it, and it was not expected. And I have to just wonder, you know, would would Sam Howell have stayed in school if he knew I was going to be a fifth round draft pick? I just have to wonder about that and think what could have been. Uh, but love the situation for Kenny. Uh, we, we've talked about that many, many times. I think that he certainly uh, is going to have the opportunity to be the starter year one. I don't know if it'll be game one. I don't know how much they're going to try to put on him. You know, what what kind of things that might look like, but. Uh, I, I love the fact that they they drafted George Pickens uh, from Georgia. I think that that's going to be an unbelievable rookie one-two punch, and it, it's going to be really fun to see just what does that tenure look like? What what does the process look like for KP? So he's really the one that I think of our first-round draft picks here in the ACC that you know is a little bit of a question mark. When is he going to be the guy? When's it going to be his team? Because when I look at Big Icky, day one starter at left tackle. I think that's already done. I mean, I look at the depth chart here. He's already there. Zion, I think it's a lock that he's going to be guard. Right or left, where does it end up? When when you hear and see different things, it's looking like right guard right now, but would love to see him on the left side with Big Slater. I think that would be an unbelievable combo there. And then Jermaine Johnson with, with the Jets, another guy that he's probably going to be at that strong side defensive end. He plays the run incredibly well. And I think he he is also a day one starter. So with all of our first round guys there, really look to see them make an impact right away, KG, uh, in the NFL. Yep, I completely agree. And Kenny may be the story but of the first round, but those three other guys are, are going to make their mark very quickly, especially the guys that we had on right before the draft, Ike Aquanu and Zion Johnson. There's something about Coming on the pod, and then boom, you're you're a day one starter in the NFL. <laughs> All right, what about day two and day three? Or sorry, not day two and day three. Day two, which was the second and third rounds, only three guys selected on that day two. Andrew Booth, who I saw in a lot of projections in the first round, but he drops to 43rd overall to the Vikings. Still, I think, a good spot for him. But as we will see with another Clemson guy who went undrafted, I think injury issues were a concern with Andrew Booth. And he wasn't able to work out at certain things. And, and I believe he didn't run at the combine. Is that right, Max? So there were a right. lot of these questions about Booth. But 43rd, second round, 
there is a difference between the bottom of the first round and the second round in terms of guaranteed money, but still, Booth is going to have every chance in the world if he can stay healthy to play a long time in the league. Yeah, what a what a steal of the draft. I mean, to potentially get, if healthy, a top 10 talent in Andrew Booth when you see just raw skills and what he can do and, and being you know this complete corner, I think it's a grand slam for Minnesota. So similar to those other first-round guys, I think if Andrew is healthy, he's a day-one starter. He's going to be a, a cross from Patrick Peterson, one of the greatest to ever play the game, and, and be a guy that has a chance to really learn from an, an incredible vet, a guy that has been there, done that at the all-pro level for a very long time. Uh, so situationally, might not be where he wanted to fall, but you know the fact that he is at a, a halfway decent team, a good defense, and, and has veterans around him, you know, it's going to be a, a good situation. But I was absolutely shocked, KG, and, and really mm-hmm. a lot of reasons in this entire draft that Andrew slid this far, but also the fact that we only had three guys going the second and third round. That, that was just bizarre to me. I did not think that that would happen. I thought there surely would be a couple other guys sneak into the third round. Uh, but look at who did go. A, a big Josh Azudu. Did not think he'd be in the third round. Very surprising pick. And, and quite honestly, when you see him going to the New York Giants, He's going to have opportunity to start and to play very early, which, which I mean, that's fantastic. That's what you want to see, and and how versatile of a player you know he was at North Carolina. Uh, I think what's going to be fun, and and maybe his best days are ahead of him, is you know just finding a spot and staying there. You know, at Carolina, he had to play a lot of different positions, and it's almost like you're you're so good at all of them, you're not great at one. What are you going to do there? But this could be a really nice opportunity, and we know the Giants want to be physical. We know they love offensive line play and the things that they want to do. And then our next guy in the third round, Jelani Woods to the Colts. Love the pick. Love the fact of where mm-hmm. he went. Um, but the the when you look at it's going to be a loaded tight end room. And so I think that there's potential for him to be a contributor, uh, but it's going to be a packed house. And I think it's going to be how much can he absorb, how much knowledge can he take in of the offense and that'll show how special he is because when you you sign him up and you see you know six seven two sixty five, I mean you, that's not growing on trees. So he's going to be a guy that I think can lock in with a veteran quarterback in Matty Ice and, and be a, a reliable target. And so you know how much can you absorb? How much can you handle? I think will really determine what year one looks like for Jelani. Mac, not only does that size not grow on trees, he is a tree. Okay, he's six foot seven, two hundred and fifty nine pounds. <laughs> playing the tight end possession and er, position and ran a four, six 40 yard dash. It, that's one of the most athletic tight ends that we've ever seen enter the NFL draft. And, and he's an example of the positive side. We'll talk about the portal a little bit as we get um, through the draft stuff, but he's an example of the positive side of the transfer portal. He was at Oklahoma state for three years, was mainly used as a blocker and transferred to Virginia and played in that high powered offense with Brennan Armstrong was able to become a third round pick. Izudu, it's pretty fascinating, Mac, when you think of the that Sam Howell was not the first Tar Heel taken. A guy who, you know, so at times UNC's offensive line struggled, but an O-lineman from UNC goes, one of the main themes that I felt with this draft, maybe more so than, than some of our recent drafts, huge emphasis on offensive line. I, I feel like you saw some stretches, some overdrafts, even just on potential, because teams need some of these offensive linemen. They need more depth there. So maybe that was a situation with Azudu. But I know you were still high on Azudu, Mac. Yeah, no, no question about it. But I agree with your statement. I think that that's one of the things that is 
I mean, it's so evident every year when you see, you know, the, these guys that were at super low levels or, or lower levels and, and even, you know, the FCS and, and D1AA, you know, kind of level there of playing football that these guys are drafted so high. And, and just in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I would take a four-year starter from Alabama. I would take a four-year starter from Georgia, three-year starter from Clemson, whatever, over these guys. But they're just so locked in. On potential, potential man, yeah. this is what this guy could be. We don't know. And then, you know, it ends up maybe sometimes working, sometimes not. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. That The fun part of this whole thing is to kind of look three years later and, and kind of see, okay, how did all this shake out? Guys that, you know, maybe fell or slid and, and where are they now type of thing. Um, because we really, I mean, we know the bulk of the draft, four through seven, that, that's where superstars are found and, and produce more often than not. Well, let's talk about the fourth round. Two ACC guys in the fourth round. Damari Mathis, who we're both high on. Tough, hard-nosed, man-to-man cover corner from Pittsburgh, taken by the Broncos, 115th overall. And then Zach Tom, another offensive line prospect. You're drafting on potential, taken by the Packers out of Wake Forest. What did you think of the Tom pick, Mac? Where did you think he would end up? And Damari Mathis, I, I love that he's going to a, a defensive-minded team in, in the Broncos who have also brought in Russell Wilson, so going to have more more offense than perhaps they've had in the last couple of years. So great position for Mathis. Were you surprised Tom went in the fourth round? Yeah, you know, I really thought that he would be in play around the fifth, um, but he's such a smart guy. He's so cerebral, went to Wake Forest, played a, a plethora of positions for them, started at center and then have to move out to left tackle. And a little bit reluctantly so. He didn't want to do it. You know, when, when the coaches asked him, he was like, no, nah, I'm kind of good where I am. And uh, ultimately, he's a team guy. He's going to do what's best for the team. And so as their best offensive lineman, you know, he made that move and, and was very successful and I thought did very well. Packers, I mean, it, it's awesome to see because of the history, because of, you know, the lineage that you think of offensive line. I think that he's going to play all three positions in the middle, uh, either guard or center. And, and really, you know, his knowledge of the game, his intelligence, I think, is what is going to set him apart and really allow his physical attributes to really shine. I mean, when you when you can manage an offense, when you can study film and kind of know what guys are going to do, it just it helps you stretch a little bit further and take what you do have physically and, and, and make you just a little bit more dynamic as a player. I think there's going to be some development. Maybe that's practice squad. Maybe that's sneaking into the rotation. Uh, but I, I think Zach is going to be a little bit of a, a developmental player and then, as you mentioned, Demar Mathis, I think that's a great landing spot. I mean, the Denver Broncos have a really nice tradition of defensive backs, of aggressive corners, get in your face. They like to play man-to-man. They have a couple of young guys there. Um, so I think, you know, there's going to be a, an opportunity for him to contribute early on special teams and then kind of in, in, you know, dime, nickel packages, where I think he's best anyway, putting him in the slot, allowing him to go against these bigger physical receivers and tight ends and just let him show off that freaky ability. No doubt. Okay, the fifth round was interesting. This is where Sam Howell finally came off the board, 144th to the Washington Commanders, still getting used to calling them the Commanders. And (laughs) what I found so fascinating about this, we thought that the Commanders might be a good landing spot for Sam Howell. However, what was a little discouraging is the Commanders had chances earlier in the draft to take him but they waited until the fifth round and from what I was reading today it feels like they really see him as a developmental prospect and Ron Rivera said he called Carson Wentz 
to let to let him know they'd be taking a quarterback, to assure him he was a player in learning. This is the quote I saw. And Rivera also made it clear that Heineke is still the backup. So, of course, you don't want to just give a spot to a guy right when you draft him. But are you with me on that, Mac? I thought it was odd that the commanders could have taken him in the third round, but they waited till the fifth. Yeah, I, I think it, it just goes to show up this entire draft. I mean, it was very strange on how the quarterbacks went and how fall or how far they fell. And and I think, you know, Sam's gonna have a chip on his shoulder with that in mind. I think he's gonna come in and dominate. We we have sang his praises for many, many weeks, many, many months leading up to this and just saying he's a gamer. That's what he does. This guy is gonna get in the film room, he's gonna study, he's gonna understand, you know, that this playbook inside and out and just give him opportunity. And so it's a it's a little um, you know, discouraging when I hear that. Like, is he even going to have a shot to play? Uh, because I think that the skills they're going to be undeniable. I mean, the the accuracy that he's going to have going through mini camp, going through uh, rookie camp, all these different things that is going to be evident. And so, just to see, d- does he have a shot? And I know the relationship with Heineke and that you know they love that guy. I mean, they made him a starter. Yeah. They've had him for you know many years, and Ron Rivera specifically. So. It's almost this weird situation for Sam Howell. Um, on top of, I mean, the franchise. I mean, my goodness. You look at the scrutiny that they've received for many years and how some owner still has this team and things of that nature. So, I, I don't know. I, this was my, like, most underwhelming pick of when it happened. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, anywhere but there. And, and here we are. So, we'll see. I, I'm obviously happy for Sam and, and going to the next level and achieving his dreams, but – it's, it's going to be a, an interesting situation, KG. It is indeed. And uh, speaking of North Carolina, we saw a few more Tar Heels taken in the fifth round. Ty Chandler, you saw a lot of teams, fourth, fifth, sixth round taken running backs because that's all you need really these days. You want a guy that is on the, you know, on a very much a rookie deal because running backs, their, their lifespan is so short in the league. He was taken 169th by the Vikings. And then Marcus McKeithen, the offensive lineman, from North Carolina, taken 173rd by the Giants. James Mitchell, the governor, 177th <laughs> by the Lions, the Virginia Tech tight end, who, Max, such a bummer for him getting hurt this season, would have probably gone a lot higher. It's odd to think about Jelani Woods being taken before James Mitchell, but, you know, injuries happen, and that's part of the game. But what were your overall thoughts here with the rest of the fifth round? Yeah, really, I, I thought a guy in Ty Chandler would go a little bit earlier, uh, so that was interesting to see him really slide there. And uh, uh, an interesting fit with Minnesota, you know, I think that that is it's a loaded running back room, uh, you know, obviously led by one of the best running backs ever in Cook, uh, who was at Florida State. That that was a, a beast. I got to see that up close and personal. Uh, but I think that there's going to be some opportunity for him to, to, you know, contribute on special teams as a situational player, uh, and, and just really be that relief. And, and as you know, and as you mentioned with shelf life, I mean, injuries happen at the running back position uh, a lot, unfortunately. So is he a guy that, you know, could find himself having some really nice opportunity there? Uh, Marcus, I think is it's cool that he's going to the Giants. He's going with, you know, one of his brothers, Big Josh, is heading up there as well. And, you know, I think that, that Marcus is a little bit more developmental, you know, size. You can't teach it. He's a massive, massive prospect. But, you know, I think he's a guy that might end up on practice squad or, or even cut and signed by another team, maybe in uh, preseason or, or in uh, you know during the preseason games there. And then James, I just don't know where his health is. So for right now, I have to assume that you know he's relatively close. Uh, but what does that mean? I mean, it, are you ready by camp? Are you full go, one hundred percent full contact? 
Um, and, and if you are, you know, I think there's a good shot that you can make some stuff happen. If not, you know, it might be another practice situation, kind of, you know, that red shirt year that we've seen some guys who get drafted that are injured really have. I hate the injury issues for James Mitchell. Um, sixth round, Amari Barno. He's a guy that we thought might go a little higher. 189th to the Panthers. Developmental player. Probably, no, definitely not an every down kind of guy. But can get after the passer. Is a, is a freaky athlete. Luke Tonetto went 209th overall to the Buffalo Bills. Another offensive line prospect. Just Sir Taylor, one of the best names in the draft. 214th <laughs> to the Chargers. A corner and then Lasita Smith, who we had on at the Senior Bowl, another offensive line prospect from Virginia Tech, 215th to the Cardinals. These O-linemen, Mac, these these teams, as we got later in the draft, they were like, all right, does he play offensive line? Take them. <laughs> Let's go. Let's just see what can happen. That's that's the vibe I was getting. Yeah, si- sign them up. Um, I, I'll start kind of top to bottom here. I think Amari, uh, it's a good spot to be in, and they have some players that are similar to him and, and things that they ask to do, things that they want to see. Um, I think that he's a guy, we spoke about this in the pre-draft process a lot, KG. He's a guy that's going to kind of have to pick and choose what he, what does he want to be. Is he going to put on more weight uh, and maybe lose some of that 4-3 speed and be a true defensive end or kind of stay where he is and get better in pass coverage and be a bit of an outside linebacker type hybrid? So I, I think that that's a great fit. Carolina defensively has done some really fun things with the different packages and, and guys that they'll throw out there. So you know, he he could be a guy that again situationally has a little bit of of life here in first in the first uh, year of his uh, NFL study here. And then with Luke, he's so big. I mean, this guy six foot nine, three hundred pounds uh, can can move very fluidly in pass pro. I think Buffalo is going to love him. Another guy that might end up on the practice squad, uh, Taylor from Wake Forest. He might be in the rotation this year. The Chargers have great starting talent, but then depth wise. It's not crazy, and so it would be really fun to see him kind of break that. We did see him return some kicks at Wake Forest and and to the house. I mean, this guy has breakaway speed, so it will be interesting to see how the Chargers use him and how he's able to you know, really kind of just contribute year one. And then Lasitas, uh, he's going to a very deep Cardinals team You know that, that I think that he as well be a little bit developmental. Maybe that's practice squad. Maybe that's figuring things out, but – Love the love the fact that he's going to Arizona. Very well well run franchise there. Mm-hmm, for sure. Okay, seventh round. This is where things got weird because certain guys weren't taken. Again, we'll get to that. Two hundred twenty eighth overall, Tariq Carpenter, safety from Georgia Tech, goes to the Packers. Balen Specter, of all the Clemson guys, <laughs> he was the second Clemson guy to be taken two hundred thirty first overall by the Bills, linebacker from Clemson, Jonathan Ford. D-line from Miami, 234th to the Packers. And then Trenton Gill, get you a punter, 255th to the Bears, the punter from NC State. Balen Specter was a surprise. I thought he was a guy that was going to sign an undrafted free agent deal and kind of thought maybe Nolan Turner, because of his numbers, would be more likely to go if, of course, Justin Ross didn't go, and we'll talk about that. And then Trenton Gill, that's a good sign for Trenton Gill. Anytime you're a punter that gets drafted, the, the team, if they're going to waste a pick on you, they definitely think that you can be a contributor. <laughs> waste a pick? Hold on, KG. Come on. Sorry. Punters are people pick. too, all right? Use a pick. There, there, there's a little Use bit a of specialist back. hate here, and it's not coming from me, so that's a good thing. Um, I'm going to start with Trenton because – It I, normally comes from you. That's though. right. I, I think it's a good pick. I think he's a guy that can end up starting 
you know, for the Bears. He has a monster leg. I thought that he was one of the best punters, if not fighting for that number one spot in the ACC. Just a really consistent guy and and think that, man, he could find a home in Chicago for for quite some time. When I look at Balin, I'm kind of on the opposite end of you. I thought he would be drafted a little bit higher because he ran so well and his numbers that he was able to do at Clemson, the things that we saw there and just playing in the Shrine Bowl. I thought that that would give him a nice little boost there. Uh, was good to see him drafted, might end up on the practice squad. I think Carpenter, kind of same thing. You know, he, he's an active player and he's a heck of a player, but just don't know from, from a depth perspective. When you get to these later rounds, undrafted free agents, it's it, it's super interesting just to see the lifespan of that first team. Now, they can certainly find their way in and, and stick to a team, but that that first bit, there's just so many guys and there's so many other things that are really around there. And when I look at Big Ford, uh, Jonathan Ford from Miami, he's a guy that has great size, had a good motor, never really shined at Miami, you know, was, was just kind of there and, and made some plays here and there, but not super consistent. So he's going to be a guy that I think really has to fight uh, you know, for his opportunity and and for staying in this league. We wrapped it all up right there, KG. I want to talk about these priority free agents. And I want to talk about guys that, to me, I, I was shocked that they were not drafted. And, and I'm starting with Mario Goodrich. I thought that he was a guy that, man, first round for our first team, all ACC cornerback was electric all year long, absolutely shut down. I know he didn't run as fast as, as most people would want in a 4-4, but he, he's just a technician, and I think it almost speaks, you know, more to his ability. The fact that he was paid, you know, a guarantee at, at two seventeen higher than a six round draft pick, so it, it's almost a better situation. I don't know what kind of offers were on the table for Mario, but he got to choose Philly. Philly, you know, obviously chose him, but he got to choose them. If he had four or five different offers, he could have chose from any one of those. So it, it's almost. KG, it's almost a better situation when you're right on that tweener spot to just have your pick. And obviously, he made a ton of money. So I think Mario is a guy that I would not be shocked if we see him start this year. I truly think that. But I wanted kind of your thoughts. Of these guys that weren't drafted, what was the most, I guess, shocking or or eye-opening to you? Well, I think Mario Goodrich was really shocking. So I agree with you. And this is why the draft, especially in the late rounds, is so odd because the <laughs> Eagles are guaranteeing him more money than the guys get in the sixth round, but it just didn't work out for them to take him. And, and you're right, I do think he had multiple offers. So this seems like this is a really good position for Goodrich. And the Eagles definitely want him. They feel like there's a spot for him, whether it's on the practice squad or perhaps on, on the, uh, the full roster Beyond that, the guy that really surprised me who wasn't taken was Justin Ross. And I think a lot of people were surprised. Now, I get it. He has had injury issues, not just, okay, lingering issue here or there. At one point, a medical professional told him to not play football again. That is concerning. Then he was cleared by a different medical professional, and he played last year. He didn't look like he did as a freshman. So I get that. But when we're getting down to these picks in the sixth and seventh round, I was just surprised that a team did not take a flyer on Justin Ross to see what he could do. Maybe there's more that we don't know about the medicals. Maybe some teams just thought, look, we can't, our, our doctors, our medical staff are not giving us the okay here. But that surprised me, Mac. And I feel terrible for him too, because this is a guy, if he was able to leave after his freshman year at Clemson, he probably would have been a first or second round pick. And 
injuries happen and, you know, he has to stay. And look, maybe I'm assuming his, his spinal issue would have been discovered in the NFL. So not saying he would have played 20 years without any issues, any injury problems, but it is a really unfortunate situation for Justin Ross. And as of our recording right now, Mac, we have not seen him sign a free agent deal. Which is, I mean, it's, it's truly crazy. And, and I just have to think, KG, like you said, there might be something else. There might be more information, but I just don't know how that wouldn't have came out and, and we wouldn't know that. So it sucks. And this league, it's a crazy, crazy thing to see this. Some other guys that I thought for sure were going to get drafted, Zonovan Bam Knight of NC State, Emeka Mezzi from NC State, respectively. They went to the Jets, which that's a loaded backfield. So Zonovan's going to have to really try to find a way to stand out. Emeka Mezzi going to Baltimore. Um they just lost their best wide receiver. They, they traded him over to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So I think there is some some good opportunity for a Mecca there and what a fun offense that's going to be. And Alec Lindstrom, the last guy that has just been a solid, solid player, the best center in the ACC, in my opinion, for the last couple of years now. And the fact that he wasn't drafted is just, it's mind-blowing to me. I don't understand, especially with the bloodlines that he has that have been in the NFL. His brother's the best guard potentially in the NFL in regards to pass blocking and that nobody took a chance to draft him, but he's going to the Cowboys. Great offensive line, great people to learn from, to be able to probably sit there, develop, and then really find your way. I think that's a fantastic opportunity. And then a guy in De'Eric King. Um, I, I love this. He's going to the Patriots. If I could have scripted this any better, it, there's no other team you'd want him to go to because I think they are going to find a way to use him as an absolute weapon. He's such a smart player. He's done so many things in college. If he can just stay healthy, I think this could be a super fun relationship, KG, that lasts for a long time. Who knows what those guys up in New England could cook <laughs> up with Derek King and using him in a variety of ways. I think that's a, a good spot for him. Mac, speaking of free agency, before we get out of here, I do want to hit on the Jordan Addison situation. Now, we're recording this Sunday afternoon, so things might change. But the reports that we are seeing, and we saw these reports on Friday night, that Jordan Addison, the, the reigning Bolitnikoff winner, arguably the best wide receiver in college football at Pittsburgh, is entering the transfer portal and allegedly is going to go to Southern Cal because they made him an offer he can't refuse, Mac, with NIL. There are so many things that are bad about this, okay? And if you want to say, well, the players, think about the players. Okay, all right, that's fine. But we have to, when we're dealing with whatever, any sort of big business, anything in life, really, Mac, I think you have to have two things. You have to have someone in charge, and you have to have rules. I mean, that's just the reality. If you want to live in some fantasy land where we don't need rules and it's okay if no one's in charge, then the thing is probably not going to work out well. And that's what we don't have right now in college football. We don't have someone in charge, and we really don't have rules when it comes to NIL. My biggest issue with this is not that Jordan Addison is moving on and wants to move on. Okay, like I get that. You're losing Kenny Pickett. You want to move on, and the transfer portal deadline is fast approaching. But to do it right now when you've got three or four months until the season, I think that is really unfortunate for Pittsburgh. But the biggest issue, we don't have this in any other sport where Southern Cal can go poach Addison, take a guy that Pitt has developed, that Pitt had banked on, they've already signed their class, they've already really hit the portal for different guys, and Pitt gets nothing in return. That is the difference. If we're looking in pro leagues, if we see this happen in a pro league, if Jordan Addison were to move on, most of the time, 
Pitt would get something in return, whatever that is. If there's a trade or what have you, Pitt is just left out there to dry. So I, I love the tweet, Mac, where uh, on Twitter someone said that Pat Narduzzi called Lincoln Riley and <laughs> voiced his displeasure. I can't even imagine what Narduzzi said, but this just seems like, as as you tweeted, Mac, this seems like a college football is heading down a, a dark path. Yeah, and, and really, here's why I think that. And he, here's... Listen, I'm all for the players, always will be. And I think that there is certainly a road that this can be done in, in a professional manner, in the correct manner, but we're not on it. We're, we're far from it. And, and what hurts me the most, what I have the biggest you know, thing against is the fact that Jordan Addison was not in the transfer portal. Jordan Addison was not looking to transfer. Jordan Addison was content with where he was until – somebody, I don't know who it is, if it's a player that he grew up playing with in the quarterback, if it's a coach, which is illegal, whatever it is, somebody approached him and said, hey, bud, we need a wide receiver. We'll give you X million of dollars. Because that's where I've heard it is. I've heard it's in the millions, which is crazy. Wow. That, KG, is where I have a problem with it. If he, after the season, after spring ball, said, you know, Kenny Pickett's gone. This isn't going to work for me. I'm going to hit the portal. I'm cool with it. That's great. That's your decision. That is awesome. You have the right to do that. But the sketchiness of this, the fact that this is the first time that this is happening, this magnitude of player, and that's going to be kind of his legacy, it sucks. And I I don't like it. And I don't like the way that there are no repercussions. Like you said, if this happens at a professional level, what do you do? You're demanding a trade or you're just a free agent. You don't come to an agreement. That's that's not what this is. There, There was in place that that's what he's doing. If it's professionally, you and I, if we say, oh, I'm going to go to Fox, guess what? We have it written in our contract that you can't do that. And if you do, you're getting sued. You're, you're getting whatever. So everybody that says, oh, you know, let the players do this and that, there is a fine line. There is a fine line. And even with coaches right now, Lincoln Riley did it. USC had to pay a lot of money for a buyout, and then they had to pay a lot buyout. of money for him. Yes, there are consequences. That's where, I, that's where I draw the line, KG. There has to be consequences. There has to be rules. We can have the freedom to do it, but there has to be something guideline-wise. There has to be something repercussion-wise. It can't just be this free market where things happen. But at the end of the day, if that's the decision Jordan wants to make, it's going to be interesting to see, and great. Hope you get the money and hope it all works out. You're going to be a great professional, but there's some things that that money's not the most important thing, and there's there's different ways to handle it, and it's just a crappy situation. It sucks that it happened right here in the ACC, kind of the first big, you know, really kind of free agent buzz type deal. Well, we were excited to watch him and cover him on this podcast, so I do think there is a real negative side for the Atlantic Coast Conference. There's no doubt about it, but Mac, I think you're exactly right on the fact that the biggest issue with all of this is that he wasn't in the portal. That is yeah, legit yeah, tampering. Right. That that who knows? He might be ineligible if 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 someone was in charge and there were right. rules. But those things aren't <laughs> yeah. happening. Well, Mac. So I, I, I wanna, don't know who yeah. could even I, the NCAA couldn't even yeah. do that. Probably. Yeah. I, I want to stay with that because tampering is a thing, and, and it's going to be really interesting if this happens. If he's able to play, because there is no shot. That if I'm at Pittsburgh, if I'm the head coach, if I'm the athletic director, if I'm a board of trustee, whatever they have up there, there is no way I'm letting this go peacefully. I mean, I am trying to figure out who contacted right. him. How did Especially this happen? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just not fair and it's not right at the end of the day. So it's going to be really interesting, KG, to see what happens. And if this young man, if this happens, if he's able to play. And then on top of that, what what does 
there's going to be something. Is, is it the NCAA stepping up? Is is there going to be some type of infraction had? Because the leadership and lack thereof is, is eye-opening. And I know Emirate is done, and he's a dead man walking per se, um, but something has to come of this, whether it's the NCAA hiring Mac, someone. are you available? I wouldn't even want it, KG, because it's a death sentence. I think the NCAA is gone. I mean, that's the unless, problem. The job yeah, you, you have to have security. is too yeah, hard. Yeah. Well, what do you yeah. do? Like, how do you yeah. fix it? Because I think it's already been when you've it's the classic saying you've let the cat out right. of the bag. How are you going to put it back yeah. in? Yeah. Put some gloves on, get a net and get a big bag. I mean, that, that's what you're going to have to do. And you're going to have to hire somebody. <laughs> you're going to have to hire somebody that understands that, that can rally, you know, these top 20, 30 presidents of these universities, athletic directors, coaches, various, you got to bring people together. And is that creating a new division? Is that creating something to where you get to keep that? Because if not, I think you might lose it. And, and it's going to be fascinating to see KG what does the future look like? Because things are changing very, very quickly in the college football and basketball landscape. The, the deal with Miami and, and saying, I need more NIL money. And whether he said that, whether he didn't say it, I think he did. And he's kind of backtracking. That's pay for play. That's illegal. And so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. The problems that we're going to be facing, the things that we're going to be discussing, uh, we should do a podcast or something and talk about it. We should. We should. There will be so many things to to discuss. And we will be here. Mac and I, neither of us intend on entering the transfer portal to another <laughs> podcast. Right. And um, we just want to make that clear. So don't go sliding. Yeah, and, into our and it, you know, Kelly, if you do in our agreement, you know, I'm coming after you. So, you know, just remember that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> For everything. <laughs> that's I have. right. Guys, that's it. A fun episode. NFL draft is over next week. We are starting our summer guests. Cannot wait. It's locked and loaded. We've got about 11. That'll get us to right about July 25th. And then it's football season. Let's get after it. Thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, go over to Spotify, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. It's always great to hear from you guys. But until next time, we'll see you.